for missions and for missiology, I, I do want to, uh, to share with you a few statistics and a few uh, details that, that you may not be aware of. Uh, are you aware that, that by the most liberal uh, assumptions and the, the, the most liberal uh, approximations we have that, that we live in a world today of about 7.5 billion people? Not million, billion. A billion is a thousand millions. That's a lot of folks. In the United States alone, there's only 300 and something million people. In the world today, there's approximately seven and a half billion people. And by the best estimations, about one third of that population, about one third of seven and a half billion people, consider themselves to be Christian. Now, we're not going to get into a debate as to whether or not they really are Christian, but, but these are a third of the people claim to be Christian. So let's just say that everybody who claims to be a Christian, everybody who claims to worship God, who claims Christ, is indeed a Christian. Then by the most conservative estimate, only two and a half billion Christians are on this planet. That means that five billion people are lost and going to die and spend an eternity in a Christless hell. Five billion people. I have a couple maps I want to put up to you. I want to show you. If you can't read this, I'm sorry. Uh, if you see, there's, there's and, and I'm colorblind too, so you'll have to bear with me. Uh, there's, there's, all kind of, there's all kind of colored dots. There's green dots, there's orange dots, there's black dots, there's red dots. The green dots, go to the next slide, Chris. The green dots represent people that have been engaged with the gospel and have been reached with the gospel. Now, this, this doesn't mean that they're Christian. This means that there is an evangelical witness that is, that, is, that is not only in their country, in their people group, in their language group, but that is engaging them and that there are Christian works there. There are evangelical churches. There are mission organizations that are reaching these people. Go to the next slide. This represents the people who are unengaged and or and are unreached. This means that that there is either there is either no Christian witness whatsoever or that there is a Christian witness but it is less than 2% of the population. Go to the next slide. This represents those people who who have a Christian witness but there is less than 2% Christian and that they are reached, they, they have some type of Christian work that is, that is going on in their language group, in their people group, but that there is less than 2% evangelical Christian. I want us to see the concentration here. Do you see the concentration in Europe and in Asia and in South Asia and in Southeast Asia? Do you see the concentration? I want to remind you, I want to remind you that Christianity began in the Middle East. It began in South Asia. It began in Europe. And do you see where the concentration of lostness is? Go to the next slide. This slide represents people groups, language groups, that not only are unengaged, 
but are completely unreached. There is no gospel witness. There is no scripture in their language. There is no church. There is not even a mission organization that has a plan to reach these people. This isn't people that we just don't have enough money to send people. We don't have enough people to send. These are people where there's not even a plan. There's not even a strategy. There's not even a, hey, in in 20 years, whenever we get 10 billion more dollars and and 10 million more people, then we'll have enough resources and enough people and enough money to send Christians and to send missionaries to these people. These are people where there's not even a plan. That we just say, you know what? Oh well. You're just out of luck. You're just going to have to die and go to hell because there's no plan to reach you. Today, for the first time in over 100 years, the population growth of the unreached people group is higher than the rate of evangelical Christian growth. What that means is we're reaching less people than the rate of the population growth. That means we're going backwards. The lost and the unreached are growing at a faster rate than the Christian church. Church, this ought to grieve us. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, we're going to read verses 12 through 5 this morning. Romans chapter 10, verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon Him, For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. God, may you burden us for the lost. May you burden us for the unreached, Lord. May we realize today that you have ordained a means and a method to reach the lost with the gospel. And that means and that method is us. It's the church. We're not waiting for reinforcements. We're not waiting for the cavalry. We are the cavalry. God, may you convict us. May you humble us, and may we repent and find ourselves obedient. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to begin verse 12. Paul says there is no distinction, Jew or Greek. Let me put it in 21st century American terms. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter whether you are Muslim, whether you are Hindu, whether you are Buddhist, whether you are Scientology. It doesn't matter. 
The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 that we are all appointed to die once and to face the judgment. That there is no distinction between Jew or Greek and there is only one way for salvation and that is through Christ. And anytime we talk about missions, anytime we talk about missions, this question comes up and stop me if you've heard it. Well, preacher, what about the innocent man in the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa who've never heard of the gospel of Jesus. Has anybody ever heard that question? Has anybody ever asked that question? And if you're not raising your hand, you're just a liar. Because we've all heard the question. We've all, we've all maybe even asked the question. And I want to pose something to you, and I want you to listen to what I say before you call me a heretic. If there is an innocent man in the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa, in a village in India, in an in a, in a, in a isolated place in South America, if there's an innocent man who's never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, then when he dies, he will spend eternity in glory with God. That is true. The difference is, there's no such thing as an innocent man. We have this question. What if there's an innocent man? But the problem is, is that there is no innocent man. The deepest, darkest jungles of Africa without the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ are haters of God. They are rebellious. They are are enemies of God. Not because of what they do, but because of who they are. Because the sin nature of man is pervasive. It's not that... Only my kids and your kids are born with sin nature. All of man is born with sin nature. If it were true, and follow the logic here with me, if it were true that the ignorance of the gospel alleviated you from culpability, alleviated you from accountability, then the absolute worst thing you could ever do is tell somebody about Jesus. Follow me. You're on LSU's campus. You walk up to someone. And you say, hi. I'm Preston. I'd like to share with you about how you can know for certain you can have eternity. Have you ever heard about Jesus? And they look at you and they say, they're from India or they're from Asia or they're from Sri Lanka or somewhere obscure that 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 they've never heard the gospel and they look at you and they say i've never heard about jesus then if ignorance to the gospel if ignorance to the gospel alleviated them from any responsibility and any accountability that they would have the best thing that i would do is say okay if anybody ever tells you tries to tell you about jesus Put your ears in, put your fingers in your ears and run away screaming because once you hear about Jesus, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to decide whether or not to trust Him, whether or not to follow Him, or whether or not to reject Him. And if ignorance to the gospel alleviates you from culpability and responsibility, then the absolute worst thing we could do as Christians is to tell them about Jesus. Because if they die in their sin, not knowing about Jesus and go to heaven, then let's just let them die. The problem is, that's not what Scripture says. Romans chapter 1, flip to there, if you will. I wish this were not so. I wish we could leave them in their ignorance. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which known about that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. Look at verse 20. For since the creation of this world, His invisible attributes, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature, all of these things about God have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that all men are without excuse. For they knew God, They did not honor Him as God. They gave thanks, became futile in their speculations, and the foolish heart was darkened. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts and the impurity of their bodies that they might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. That's why in, in Africa and in Asia they worship the sun god, they worship the moon god, they worship all of these other gods, they worship the creature rather than the Creator. This is proof that all men stand guilty before God. In ignorance of the law, ignorance of God, ignorance of the gospel is not an excuse, church. God has ordained a means and a method of salvation. God in His great grace and in His great mercy and in His great sovereignty ordained a means of salvation. And that means of salvation is is faith in Christ. Acts chapter 4 tells us this. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. It tells us that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved. There is no other name. There is no other way. If you don't like the way Luke says it, Jesus said it like this in John chapter 14 verse 6. He says, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said there is only one way to get to eternity, and that is through Christ. That is the methodology, that is the means of salvation, is faith in Christ. So, let's go back to this innocent man in Africa who doesn't exist. The only way for him to receive eternal life is through faith in Jesus. The same way that Abraham was saved, the same way that Isaac and Jacob and Moses, that everybody in the Old Testament was saved through faith in Jesus, you said, well, preacher, Jesus wasn't born. Their faith was looking forward to a Christ that would be offered on their behalf, a Messiah that would fulfill the prophecy. Our faith is looking backwards. But salvation is only through faith in Jesus. That is the only way. God has ordained a vehicle, a mechanism for salvation. And the only way for salvation is Jesus. Amen? 
church, we have to understand this. This is the precip- This is the, the fundamental aspect of the gospel is the exclusivity of Jesus. Jesus is not one method amongst many. He's the only method of salvation. Period. It doesn't matter how sincerely you believe. You can sincerely believe all that you want, that, that, that you're a good person and being a good person is going to get you to heaven and you're going to die and be sincerely wrong. The Hindus believe with all that they are. The Muslims believe with all that they are. They even kill for their belief. And they're going to die and stand before holy God in judgment and be sincerely wrong. The only way for salvation is through Jesus. But I want us to understand this, church. Not only is Jesus the only way of salvation, but God has ordained a vehicle for that salvation to go to the nations. And in His great wisdom and in His great sovereignty, He chose to use the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When Jesus left this earth, He sends His Holy Spirit. And He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be My witnesses. You will be the ones who share the, who proclaim the Gospel. You will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. That is the vehicle. That is the mechanism. And who did this who did this, this commission go to? To the disciples, the followers of Jesus. To you and to me. I want us to understand, church, there is no other way for salvation but through Jesus. There is one plan that that salvation, that that gospel will reach the nations. We, the church, is God's plan A. And there is no plan B. There is no contingency plan. It's not like, well, if the church screws it up, well, then we have this other fallback plan. The church is plan A. And there is no plan B. Two things I want to point out about the gospel. The gospel in its very nature, the language means good news. It means good news. But it's only good news, it is only good news if it gets there in time. In the village in India, in the jungles in Africa, in the jungles in South America, in the cities in the Middle East, if the Gospel never makes it there, and they die and stand before Holy God in judgment, the Gospel is not good news to them because it didn't make it in time. Not only is the Gospel only good news if it gets there in time, but the Gospel is only good news if it is the only way to salvation.
I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. As God is renewing his covenant with Abraham in verse 8, I want us to see the language in verse 8. That's not the right passage. Go to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. We see a passage in Scripture in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. John the Revelator says, And I saw another angel flying in midheaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and every tribe and every tongue, and every people group. Whenever God made His covenant with Abraham, He said, God, He told Abraham, He said, all peoples, all nations will be blessed by you. Not some nations. Not some languages. Not some people groups. Not those who are lucky enough to be born in America. Not those who are lucky enough to be born amidst affluence. Church, I want us to understand that the gospel brings hope. Several years ago when the Indian government allowed me to go into the nation of India, I sat in a worship service with five to seven hundred orphans sitting in the balcony on the floor because there wasn't enough chairs for them. They were orphans. They had no money. Their home was an orphanage. They had no material possessions. They lived in abject poverty. And they were singing with joy and excitement at the top of their lungs, praising and proclaiming God for who He is, not for what He has done for them. Why? Not because they had money, not because they had material possessions but because they had hope. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, brings hope. Steve mentioned earlier, when these kids have sponsors, when they have the message of Christ, when they have the the Christian influence in their lives, when they have somebody telling them that at the end of the day, the end is not the end, that there is a Savior who loves you, who died on the cross, who paid the penalty for your sin, and who promises to bring you to eternity with Him, that that gives them hope that at the end of the day, whenever their mom is killed by by marauders and by pirates and their family and their their sisters are raped and and their, their village is pillaged, that that's not the end. That yes, this world may kill them and yes, this world may ravage them, but when they die, that they have hope. And that hope is not found in this world, but it's found in Christ. It's found in eternity. Let's go back to Romans chapter 10. Let's look at our text. Romans chapter 10, we read, verse 12, that it does not matter Greek nor Jew. But I want us to look at verses 13 through 15. 
Paul says, For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How how then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? For just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Now I want us to understand that this is not just Paul uh, uh, exercising his rhetorical skill. That Paul's not just practicing rhetorical questions so that he can be a really good orator. But Paul is trying to communicate a point. What is he communicating? Let's, let's, let's take this text and let's work backwards from verses 15 to verse 13. And let's see some truth that's in this scripture. First of all, we see in verse 15, we see that, that Christ will send his servants. In verse 15 it says, how shall they preach unless they are sent? Well, if they are sent, they are sent by Christ. He calls them, He sends them, He commissions them, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And and, and the Holy Spirit, uh, um, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, uh, all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, as you go, make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This this mandate that God gave His disciples, He still gives His disciples. Amen? He still sends people, does He not? Yes. Jesus still sends His disciples. So we see that when Christ sends His disciples, His disciples go. And when Christ sends His servants, and He will, by obedience His servants preach. Look at the text in verse 15. How shall they preach unless they are sent? If they are sent, they are going to preach. And if they preach, look at verse 14. If they preach, people will hear. You stand up and by some miraculous reason, you guys keep showing up every Sunday morning, And so when the preacher preaches, somebody's going to hear. Unless he's preaching to a wall, or unless he's preaching to to no one, when the preacher preaches, people hear, right? No matter how good the preacher is, no matter how eloquent he is, no matter how gifted he is, when the preacher preaches, what happens? People hear. And the scripture tells us in verse 14, it says, when they hear, they believe. Now we know from scripture, and we know from experience, that not everyone believes. We know that, that there are some of you who are going to leave here today and you're going to think that guy's just off his rocker. He, he's, he's crazy, and we all know that, but, but he was just wrong. And, and I'm not going to believe what he says. But by the grace of God and by His sovereignty, the Scripture tells us that someone from every tribe and every tongue and every people group will believe. And that's the truth of Scripture. So we can send, as we go back to these maps, and I don't want to do that just yet, Chris, but, but if you go back to those maps and you see those black dots over all of the world, there is a child of God that is going to be standing before the throne of God in the end of day from every one of those black dots. From every one. It may be a child that comes to know Christ through a sponsorship with One Child Matters. It may be a child that comes to know Christ through our mission efforts at Hope Givers. It may be a child that comes to know Christ because you 
or your children or your grandchildren took the message of the gospel to a place where it had never been preached before. But there will be someone from every tribe, every language, every people group standing before the throne proclaiming His goodness because God has said that it will be so. And so, we know that not everyone's going to believe, but some are. You can take that to the bank. That when we preach, people are going to hear. And when they hear, not everyone, but some will believe. And when they believe, they will have no choice but to call. And the Scripture tells us that when they call, that Jesus will save them. Jesus said, I will in no wise cast them out. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So let's, let's, let's dissect this for just a moment. Christ will send His disciples. And His disciples will preach. And when, he, when they preach, people will hear. And when they hear, they will believe. And when they believe, they will call. And when they call, they will be saved. That's God's method. That's God's mechanism to reach the nations. Well, if we look at this paradigm, where is there a potential for breakdown? Well, let, let's, let's, let's look. When they call, they will be saved. Is Jesus just going to stop saving people who call? No. Well, when they, when they believe, they will call. Are people stopped going to call after they believe? No. We know that that's a natural occurrence. When they believe in Christ, they will cry out for salvation. Well, when they, when they hear, when they, when they hear, they will believe. Well, all of a sudden, they stop, they stop believing after they hear. No, because God is working, the Holy Spirit is working conviction so that when they hear the gospel, that they will believe the gospel because it is true. Well, will they stop hearing? Unless the whole world goes deaf, they will not stop hearing. Will Christ stop sending His disciples? No. The only potential breakdown in this methodology is when His disciples stop proclaiming. The only way those black dots stay black is when we, as the church, stop proclaiming. Can't say amen, we gotta say ouch. That's the truth of Scripture. For the first time in over a hundred years, the population growth of the lost and the unreached is growing faster than the church. There is a movement in our culture today of tolerance. That God is up on top of the mountain. And that there are many paths to get to God. and You can go up the path of Hinduism, the path of Buddhism, the path of shamanism, the path of Islam, the path of Judaism. You can even go up the path of Christianity. And God is up on top of the mountain. And, and all these paths lead to God. But church, here's the truth of the Gospel is that God left the top of the mountain. 
And He came down to humanity. And He reached into humanity and said, you're not going to figure this out on your own. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You are wicked and sinful and rebellious and you hate God. So I am going to pay the penalty of your sin on your behalf and I am going to give you grace and mercy and forgive you of your sin and I am going to call you unto myself. I'm not going to wait for you to climb the top of this mountain. I'm going to go down to the mountain and I'm going to grab you out of the miry clay and I'm going to pull you up here with me because I love you. That message brings hope to people that it's not up to you to be good enough to reach God, but that God has already reached down to you in the person of Jesus. Do you realize that most Muslims read the Bible through three different times before they ever come to faith in Christ? The most prominent atheist in the world today, said this. She said, Christianity has the best story. Their God, their Jesus, is the best story of all. They just don't tell it. Foreign missions is not a call. It's a mandate. You say, well, preacher, I've not been called to the mission field. Have you been called to be a follower of Jesus? Then you've been called to the mission field. Foreign missions exists in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It exists in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, on the ball fields, in our schools. The world is no longer a big place. It is a small place. With the click of a button, we can reach all the way across the world. You say, preacher, I've never been called to foreign missions. Foreign missions is not a calling. It's a mandate. We have hope. We have the answer. The world is longing for. Let's pray. Father, we know that you love the Muslim. We know that Jesus died for those who are strapping bombs to themselves and blowing themselves up. We know that you love the Hindu and the Buddhist. We know that you love the Jew. So much so that you sent your son to die for sinners 
of whom I am the chiefest. God, may we, as Your church, may we have the the fortitude. May we have the boldness to take Your Gospel to the nations. To not hoard resources. Not hoard the message of hope but that we would send Your Gospel and we would send preachers of Your Gospel and missionaries and pastors and teachers to the nations. And they may die. And they may be beaten and persecuted. But in the midst of an Old Testament world, may they bring New Testament hope. Jesus is worth it. If you believe this morning that Jesus is worth it, will you commit to pray for the nations? Will you commit to go to the nations? Will you commit to give to the nations? In just a few moments, we're going to have a time of invitation. If the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning, Maybe you need to come to this altar and repent. Repent of your complacency. Of your arrogance. Of your pride. Maybe God is speaking to your heart. Calling you to Himself. Don't leave this place today without making a decision to follow Christ. God, may your Holy Spirit move in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You stand.